there are other podcasts out there devoted to amateur baseball. They talk about the draft and they specifically talk about college baseball, the competitiveness of college baseball. And we love them. We listen to them. Um, but this is the only one in this space that really focuses on the athlete, the athlete and their journey from either high school or college to the pros. And in their final year, their final chance, their final time, when they're looking at right down the barrel and, and knowing that it's that kind of pressure. But in this podcast, Amateur Hour, Danny Wexelman and I are lucky. We have great guests. She's the producer, the heartbeat of this podcast, but I'm, I'm along for the ride and I love it. And, and this week, I think what I like about the, the two guests, Devin Ortiz of Virginia and Cameron James at Mississippi State, is they're, again, both testimonies to college baseball. These weren't guys that were being begged to come to pro ball when they came out of high school. They just weren't. They were good. They played with good players around them, and they helped good championship travel teams and prep teams win. But they're byproducts of an evolving and, in a better way, college baseball system. So those are our guests. Cameron James, Devin Ortiz, you outkicked your coverage again, Dee. This is, this is a great show. I love these two interviews. I'm really excited because once again, I feel like there are so many, obviously so many people who play this game, right? So many guys who are playing college baseball, junior college baseball, and it's just, it's fun to find guys who aren't always the ones who are getting the most attention, but their stories are incredible. And like you said, they're the heartbeat of college baseball. They're the essence of why it is so important for guys to go to college and raise their draft stock and also just learn how to be a person, be a man, be a good citizen of the world. And we hear these stories about how college baseball is doing that, whether it's through their coaches, it's through their play. You know, you hear Cameron James talk about the national championship, but the lesson he learned last year was about failure. It wasn't about winning or how to make it to Omaha. It was about failure. And then for Devin Ortiz, just finally getting his chance to shine with Virginia, who made it to Omaha and had that experience and what that school has given him and how he's pursuing his master's in education psychology. I mean, we just have these really good people who are really talented at baseball, too. Yeah. And something we're getting into with Cameron James, I love you brought it up um, and, and we'll go ahead and say it now in. In Starkville, Mississippi, please go ahead and patronize Hayes Law Firms. And Hayes Law Firm is an outstanding uh, law firm. I'm not quite sure what law they practice. I probably should have Googled them. But but he's but Cameron is being able to take part in name image likeness. He's got a partnership with with Hayes Law Firm. There are whatever dollar amount going into his pocket. I think it's modern athletics, 11.7 scholarships. I think it's a wonderful opportunity for him and for his mates that can take advantage of it. Um, I'm glad you got into name image likeness. It's something we don't need to tiptoe into at all um, anymore. I mean, nor should we. So that's one part of the conversation I think is cool. Devin Ortiz talking about family and touching, you know, his life and his niece and, and the challenges he's been through, the human side of it. Um, you know, a couple of subjects where guys are vulnerable and that's what makes this podcast, I think, a little bit different. I agree. I couldn't agree more. And I'm excited to dive into their journeys. I mean, get excited, like buckle up because you're going to be inspired. You're going to laugh and you're going to be all in your feels, Darren, all in your feels. Okay. We're going to get started because Danny's going to buckle up and stuff like that. So when, when we're told you to buckle it up, when you're probably just sitting at home right now, you don't have to buckle anything up. You'll be fine. Just unless you're listening. in the car, thanks buckle up in the car. No, just, just thanks for listening. Well, good producers put together good shows. And when Danny shared that Cameron James was made available and she locked him in, I was really excited. You, you see to all our listeners of this podcast out there, 
I can remember watching him play a lot for Team Georgia. I can remember him going to Jupiter, and I can remember who he was as an amateur way back when, you know, and he, he played with fun guys in high school at, at the Soto Central High School like Blaze and on Team Georgia. He, he played with Ely and guys like Cruz and Fabian. So I remember him. And, and, and so, Cam, thanks for hanging out with us. We really appreciate this. But back then, when I knew of you and watched you play and respected your game, um, little did I know you'd have a ring. And that's where you separate from those guys. They've gone different ways. And you'll go their way, too, as a pro at some point soon. But something so simple as a ring, I'm holding up one right now, right? I have it on my finger. It, it's, significant, it's, it's significant of, of my lovely wife. But you have a ring that no one will ever take away from you. And I know it's just a piece of, of hardware and it's just something that's of this world. But what does it mean to you to have that ring, what you earned last year? Yeah, well, it's, it's very special. Um, I've grown up a Mississippi State fan, um, a Mississippi State family. So <clears throat> my dad played football here. My brother played baseball here. Um, and it's kind of that one thing that Mississippi State has never gotten is that national championship. And so I think, you know, last year to be able to do that um, with, the group of, with the group of guys we did it with, um, it's special. It's kind of something that I'll never forget. Yeah, so it's interesting in, in its perspective, right? You know, I'm dramatically older than you, obviously, but it's perspective. With what your father went through and playing there, I know your uncle played football there. But I'm going to guess that since winning this ring specifically, you've heard from dudes and probably female athletes too from like a long time ago. My guess is you've heard storytelling from guys that go as far back as they can remember. And now you're part of their world and they're part of yours. Has that connecting outside of dad, because you got Mississippi State through dad's eyes. But I'm going to guess you've connected with some folks, 60, 70, 80 years old, that wanted to thank you and tell their story about when they played. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the people outside of my family, um, they love talking about it. They congratulate us. They love the fact that we were able to do it. Um, they'll just tell me stories kind of about how long they've been waiting to see this happen. Um, stories about watching Rafael Palmero and Will Clark playing, kind of thinking they were going to get it done. Um, and just kind of, you know, kind of how long they've waited for this moment and kind of, you know, how excited they are for it to, um, you know, kind of finally come true. Have you had a chance to fully soak in and look back at the ride that you all took last season and what you did in Omaha and just kind of really relish in the history that you made? Because you guys are going to be the dudes coming back who are celebrated years and years, you know, for the next century, for, for forever that you guys right. got the job done. Have you really had a chance to think about what you've accomplished? Um, you know, a little bit, yeah, but um, <clears throat> kind of the parade they, they did for us when we first got back was cool. Um, we had our ring ceremony last weekend, so we had the whole team back together for the first time since the parade. Um, so, you know, we've had a little bit of time to think about it, but, you know, at the same time, um, right after we, we won, I kind of left for the Cape. Some guys left for their minor league teams. Other people left for other summer ball places. So you were kind of right back to work so fast that, that – um, you, you know, you kind of didn't really get to just enjoy it and kind of think about it a lot. But, um, you know, as time has gone on, um, you've kind of been able to realize how special it was and kind of how cool it was um, of, an ex of an experience. So um, I think, you know, the, the longer it gets, you know, from Omaha and from winning that national championship, the more you realize kind of, you know, how neat it was. 
What do you think it means to the community? Because I see on social media, you guys are kind of taking your championship tour. And I definitely want to, if you have the ring, I would love for you to show us the ring. But it, it seems to me that this was something that was so much bigger than just the team. It's the entire community and city and state that is able to kind of be a part of this with you guys. Is there a conversation that you've had, you know, you mentioned some of the, the greats that have come through Palmero and, and Clark, but is there a conversation maybe you've had with someone in the community that told you how much it meant or just someone who's reached out and kind of shared a story along those lines? Yeah, kind of like, us. I mean, the community has waited for something like this forever. Um, you know, everywhere we go, really, um, whether it's on campus or off campus, whether it's just to the grocery store, or out to eat or to church. I mean, there's always somebody there that is just thanking you for kind of letting them be able to enjoy a national championship at the school they love so much. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like I said, everywhere you go, people are appreciative and, and kind of want to thank you. Um, and as far as the ring goes, um, I sent it back home with my parents, so it would be at my house. I, di I didn't want to keep it here just in case. I, di I didn't want anything to happen to it. Um, that's not something I want kind of around a ton of people. Um, especially something that valuable. So um, I sent that back home with them. I have a, a ring case with my state championship rings from high school and my Worldwood bat ring. So there's a there was a little space right in the middle that had one more ring spot um, that it's gonna they're gonna go put it in for me. So um, it'll be on my dresser at home in my room. So um, that's where I'll keep it. Well played by you mentioning the WWBA. That's good branding. Thank you. We appreciate that. Yes, sir. Cameron James. Cameron James. Um, loving, loving connecting with you. Um, you and Blaze Jordan as a, as a couple of high school teammates. Uh, how much do you still communicate in his journey? He's he had a really good, like you had a, a good spring and, and early part of the summer. He had a really good summer. Um, how much you guys keep in touch? Describe the relationship a little bit, please. I talk to Blaze every single day. Um, he's one of my best friends. Um, he's kind of one of those guys that when I go home, I'm the he's the only guy I really want to go do my work with, just because I kind of. You know, respect his work ethic so much and um, his knowledge and how, um, his talent. Um, I think it's the same for him. When he comes back, he's always reaching out to me, um, kind of when we're going to work out, when we're going to when we're going to go hit. Um, he's actually been in Starkville um, two weeks out of this um, off season to stay with me. He's been at our house with me and my roommates. Um, we'll go up to the field and, and hit a little bit. But um, he's one of my best friends. We we really talk every single day. Um, kind of anything that's going on in our life, we can kind of reach out to each other, um, whether it's baseball or non-baseball. So um, he's just a great, he's a really great guy, probably a better person than he is a baseball player. So um, just kind of somebody that's really, really cool to have um, as, a, as a friend. It's kind of cool because he's pretty internet famous, right? He's one of the most yeah. famous prospects since I've been covering baseball, reclassified, but on your turf, dude, you're way more famous when he visits you. That's what that's 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 a fun twist around. Like when he comes to Starkville, Stark Vegas, you're the dude. So that's yeah. got to be fun for you to host him. Um, and and then you know, and you guys probably bounce ideas off each other. He's probably explained pro ball from his eyes to you, right? You've you've heard what it's like from his perspective, but you also hear from Keegan and 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 your brother and his journey, what he's gone through. While you were again having a a good summer and, and doing great things. He pitched well in Fresno in the Rockies organization. So uh, tell me about that relationship, that communication. Yeah, so, you know, kind of being the big brother, um, he's kind of someone I've looked up to um, my whole life for advice, um, whether it's on or off the field. But, yeah, he had a really a really good summer for Fresno. Um, they kind of 
he started off in the bullpen and they made him a starter again and he did really well. Um, I think the, the Rockies really like him. They kind of are, you know, expecting big things out of him. Um, he's kind of made a really big jump from college to pro ball. Um, just some of the things he talks about is just kind of the everyday life of baseball. It's just so much different in minor leagues than it is college. Um, he just kind of gets that, you know, every single day to develop. Doesn't have to worry about school as much. I guess at all anymore since he, he got to graduate. But um, just kind of the jumps he's been able to make in, in pro ball um, have been really good for him and, and going to pay off for his, his career in the long run. He's a friend. Do you consider him your dear friend as well as being your brother? Oh, absolutely, for sure. Yeah, I'm probably I'm I'm probably closer to him than I really am anybody on this on this earth. Well, I'd love to hear that. that. I figured you'd say that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great answer. Um, I want to take a little bit of a left turn here, and I, I assume it's okay to talk about. I wanted to talk about name, image, likeness, and I saw on your Twitter account um, that you you were kind of diving into that world with Hayes Law Firm. I don't know a ton about this. I, I've scratched the surface, but I, th I find it interesting. I find it exciting that this is a journey and a part of something you can partake in now in school. Can you kind of maybe describe how this came about and you know why you think this is important for college athletes? Um, well, especially in baseball where you don't get near amount the scholarship you do for football and stuff like that. So only having 11.7 scholarships to play with um, as a, as a college baseball program, I think the NIL stuff can really help to kind of, you know, some of those guys that may not, may not get as much scholarship as others, they can kind of still have a way to come and, you know, perform at the school and, and uh, make a name for themselves and, you know, kind of have people, I guess it'd be kind of like sponsoring you, um, you know, kind of paying you for you to use your name and, um, you know, your kind of publicity that you've created to, to promote their product. So I think it can, you know, have a big payoff for, for some guys um, in the college baseball world, especially. Yeah, that is so, so interesting to me. And you are right, obviously, name, image, likeness, right? They're using those parts of you that are so great. And especially after the championship, I'm sure that there are a lot of people who are yeah. calling or, or who are interested in, in working with you guys, which I, I find really interesting. Do you see this being something that helps you also in the future? You know, obviously hoping to be drafted to be a professional baseball player, but just trying to kind of grow yourself in that sense. Is that something that interests you at all? Yeah, I mean, as you're talking about like as far as kind of helping you um, like get your name out there before you're drafted. Yeah. And then just, you know, when you do become a professional athlete, there's so many other ventures you can take. You know, we see guys who had dipped their hand in the media world or, or whatnot or have these other, you know, philanthropic endeavors. But just being able to maybe help you in the future. Do you think about that? Yeah. So I, I think more of it as kind of probably like just like a learning experience, kind of how to deal with that kind of stuff. Because when you get drafted and say you make it to the big leagues, obviously um, you're probably going to get a lot bigger deals than you would in college. But I think it's just kind of like getting your feet wet a little bit, kind of realizing um, kind of how that works and kind of how to deal with that stuff um, as an athlete, kind of how to balance um, baseball and, and the stuff outside of it and just kind of trying to learn. And um, so that when, when, you know, you get in pro ball, and, you know, one day maybe make it to the big leagues and you're having to deal with this stuff, it won't be a, it won't be new territory, you know. 
So, by the way, this conversation is brought to you by Hayes Law Firm. Make sure to give all your business to Hayes Law Firm because they're good people and we like them because they like Cameron and that's that. We're going to make sure we do it and, and take care of it the right way. What are some of the intricacies you like about third base in comparison to shortstop? I mean, what are some of the little parts of playing the position that appeal to you the most? Um, well, I think, you know, something for me is kind of how quick the decision-making is at third compared to shortstop. Um, you know, I kind of found myself thinking a little bit too much early in the year last year um, at shortstop. I kind of had, you know, you kind of have time to think about, you know, the play as it's happening, where at third, it just kind of gets on you in a flash. And you just kind of have to trust more of your instinct. So um, probably that in particular, um, just kind of getting to trust yourself and just, you know, going bang, bang, kind of what you've, what you've worked on um, kind of right off the bat. What's the last great piece of advice you got from Stacy, your mom? Last great piece of advice? Yep. Um, What's, or, or the last great conversation you guys had. No, you love her well, and she loves you. Yeah. I'm going to assume that. I see how you handle yourself. And, yeah, and, 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 I know you, and I know you love your sis, too. Is it Starling? Sterling? Is that correct? It's Sterling, yeah. Sterling. Who, so, but, but, but also, mom, let's go, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. I was going to no, say no, Sterling, you also, she, um, speaking to athletes, We'll talk about Key, and we've talked about myself, but she's also a big athlete too. She she actually got to pitch um, in the junior college um, championship this year for Jones Junior College, and um, they came in second, by the way. So just had to throw that out there. Yeah, please throw it out there. I'm down with that. That's yeah. outstanding. That's that's outstanding. I, I want to come back to her. Tell me yeah. about something good that you and your mom discussed recently. Good conversation. Um, I think you know, the biggest thing with her is kind of after all this national championship and, and kind of the publicity you get um, as a baseball player is probably, you know, the importance of still being a good, like a good person, a genuine person, not, you know, not really getting too big headed. Um, you know, it's real easy at this level when you, you know, have people patting you on the back all the time, um, state fans patting you on the back, telling you how great you are. It's kind of easy to maybe think you're a little, a little bit bigger than somebody else. Um, but I think something that helps me a lot it's kind of the um, humility my parents and especially my mom kind of instill in me. Uh, it was just kind of believing that I'm, I'm no better than anybody else, um, that, you know, um, it's just a game and life is, a, uh, is about kind of more than just baseball and, and um, how, how you are on the field, but um, kind of how you treat others and, and um, you know, just kind of how you go about your everyday life. So could you hit your sister then? Could I do what? Could you hit your sister if she got in the circle and brought her best stuff? Could you handle her stuff? Actually, no, I probably could not. <laughs> I love it. I love the honesty. From, from as close as she throws, she throws it way too hard. And her she has something that rises and sinks and curves. I, I probably, definitely probably couldn't hit it. I love that. I love that so much. I think the last one for me is just kind of looking at some of the guys you played with this year, watching the draft and, and seeing, you know, I think a lot of the stock rose and, you know, Will Bednar, uh, Tanner Allen, uh, among many other guys, but just watching that and thinking about the team you had, you mentioned how important it was. It was with this group of guys and why it was so special. And then you, you see them go off and get drafted. Um, what's the, what's the one takeaway from this season that maybe taught you the most about the game or about life with this specific group of guys? What's the takeaway that you have? Um, the biggest thing is kind of how to handle failure every day. Um, we kind of had some series that kind of hit us in the mouth, really. 
Um, we got swept by Missouri at home, who we shouldn't have. Um, you know, at the time, a lot of people would have said we did, that was not a good loss, obviously. But um, Arkansas came to Duty Noble and swept us. Um, we went to the SEC tournament and got run rolled twice in a row. Um, so I think kind of how to handle failure. Us as a team, we kind of came together throughout the whole year and kind of leaned on one another and trusted in, in the ability of the person to our right and to our left. Um, and I think, you know, down the stretch in the postseason, you kind of saw that come out, kind of how well we all performed as a unit. And, you know, I think once we got to Omaha, we were kind of hitting our stride and playing our best baseball. And, um, you know, that's the biggest reason we were able to win the national championship. Awesome. Darren's good too. Dude, we can't thank you enough for your time. Massive congratulations. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, for sure. Thank you all. Scout's Eyes segment, part of this podcast, Vinny Servino, the great writer and scout who really has his eye on the college game, but scouts at all age groups, was my color analyst at the championship game as we streamed it out on Perfect Game TV in Jupiter. And, And a great group out of Florida, a newer team, if you will, the Ostingers baseball group. There was just a lot going on there. And you don't win a championship, A, without having guys that are going to be good college players and good pros. Vinny opens his notebook and explains. Ostinger's Baseball Academy just won the 2021 WWBA World Championship. And they eked out a number of close victories, but have a very solid team overall when you look at it from a prospect, prospect standpoint. They're led, of course, by Ethan Petrie, 2022 grad, who has some of the most raw power in the, in the draft class this year. He's a right-handed hitter who plays third base and is committed to South Carolina, and he has the ability to hit balls very far to any part of the field. Also leading that charge is Arjun Nabala, who's a top, top 15 prospect in the 2023 class. A very smooth defender, really plays shortstop well, and has a pretty swing from the right side of the plate. He performed in a big way this fall and this summer, showing off a lot more power and strength. Uh, the rest of that core is a number of solid players, too, like Merrick Houston, committed to Wake Forest. He's a very smooth-handed shortstop, plays the game well, and uh, d- does a little bit of everything here and there. He's athletic and young for the great as well. Another player who stood out during their victory was uh, Dylan LaPointe, a catcher, committed to Florida Atlantic recently. He's a very solid defensive catcher, got some good catch-and-throw skills. A lot of solid position players overall, and the arms, too, are also very impressive for the O Singers. They had Ethan Phillips committed to uh, Indiana. Uh, he's a righty up to around 88, 89, but he'll pitch in the mid-80s and has good feel for a breaking ball. While Jacksonville commit Aiden Kelly was also very solid in the semifinals, pitching up to 91, 92, and kind of holding 87, 88 the whole way. He's super physical and has a really good breaking ball as well. Uh, the Ostingers were a ton of fun to watch, go throughout the entire playoffs and make their way to the championship game. And it was a great championship game as they walked it off in extra innings. Let's do this thing. Let's put it on the record. I'm so excited to bring in Devin Ortiz, fifth year baseball player and graduate of Virginia. And there's a lot of story to tell, Devin. You have lived many lives. You have. How loud is that? How bad is that right now? Is that bad? What do you got, Wex? I mean, you got a siren in the background? There's a, it's like a lot. It's, you know, it's Halloween weekend. I'm in New York City, and that's what you get. You get sirens. There's a lot of things happening. People running around with masks, and it's a lot. But all right, let me. I say let we me, soldier on. I say we soldier on. Look, we he's are. on a college campus. Devin can handle it. He's he used to being boot. He's used to being booed on the road as well. I say we soldier on. <laughs> We're going to move on. We're moving forward. That's what we do here. So, 
Devin, I think what I want to start with is from New Jersey to Virginia, fifth year now playing um, on this team. And it's been, it sounds like a wild ride. And finally, maybe getting a chance to step into some bigger roles that you've been hoping for. But can you just walk us through to start how you got from New Jersey to Virginia? Uh, Yeah, so I I grew up in Belleville, New Jersey. I attended St. Joseph Regional High School uh, when I I moved to Nutley when I was a uh, middle school, but I played baseball um, since I was three or four years old, and um, you know pursuing you know going to a great college and playing you know professional baseball has always been uh, a dream for me, and it's always what I've you know tried to work for. Um, so uh, you know I went to St. Joe's, and you know that's a great program out there. Uh, at school, you know, it's known for their sports, their athletics and, and their academics, all boys school. Uh, so the brotherhood there I made was amazing. And um, when I was 15, I think sophomore year, uh, I came down here to Virginia for a, it was just a, a showcase tournament, a bunch of teams. And, you know, I was lucky enough to uh, have the opportunity to, you know, speak with the coaches and have an offer. And I fell in love with the school and it was immediate. It was an immediate uh, yes for me. An immediate yes. And so at what point, Devin, did things start to click more for you? And maybe you felt like you were contributing to this team and to this program the way that you had always envisioned doing so. Because again, this is your fifth season, which is incredible that they've had the chance to work with you and you've had the chance to work with them for this long now. Yeah, uh, five years feels like a long time, Um, but it definitely flew by. Uh, you know, adjusting to college baseball is, a diff- is very different for a lot of players. Um, you know, guys in their first year can get it right away and the game moves, you know, not so fast for them. And for some guys, the game moves extremely quick for them. It takes them a couple years to, to really get it. Um, so, you know, for me, it was it was I was that player that that struggled the first two years. And it wasn't with the talent aspect of, you know, just like not knowing that I couldn't do it, it was just, the game was moving very fast. Um, but, you know, being able to play summer ball and get to know a lot of guys from different, um, different, you know, states, different schools and get to just know, learn about, learn more about the game is definitely uh, what I think helped me a lot. And, you know, going into the third, in my third years where I really started to, um, you know, be an everyday guy. Um, I know my sophomore year, I pitched a lot more than I hit. Um, and then my junior year, I hit and didn't pitch at all. And then last year I hit and then I had occasional pitching outings, but it was just all about like just adapting and uh, getting used to playing college baseball and just uh, understanding, you know, that it's not going to be easy, but you just have to, you know, keep working for it. It sounds like your mind has matured as much as anything. I mean, through this entire process, it sounds like that going through failing, which baseball's fit, no matter who you are, you fail. Um, two-way guy I covered for half the year called his game Shohei Otani. He failed a lot, even though he seemed perfect. Um, but it sounds like your mind evolved a lot, you know, and it's not that you weren't mentally tough. It's just you learned a lot from what you went through. Am I off base in that? No, I, I think you're you're right on it. And, and, and when I talk about it with, you know, family and friends and, you know, just people ask me about my journey in college, my, my answer is always um, – you know, it was never the work ethic that changed. Um, it was all about the mentality and, and how I view things and uh, just the maturity in general, you know, just period, just maturity 
and in the game and and just adjusting to everything and, and dealing with adversity is most important as well. Yeah, and so I, I'm curious as you chase your master's in educational psychology, uh, the mind, and as you wrap your degree, you earn your degree in philosophy, the mind and the history of of the the soul, the mind, the heart, the body. Um, how much did your studies help you evolve, not just as a baseball player, but as a man? How much did your studies, because you didn't pass on the challenging things to study, and I think that's really cool. Um, I studied what I ended up doing after I got released two years in the minors. I'm glad I did broadcasting, but um, to me, taking on philosophy then, educational psychology is a wonderful way to, to grow mentally as well. How much did your studies help you grow as a man and as an athlete? Yeah, so... Um... When I, de I declared my, my major for philosophy in the beginning of my third year, and a lot of the stuff that I learned, um, you know, the philosophy is just, you can learn anything about philosophy, but yeah. a, lot, a lot of the things that I took from it um, was that everyone has a perspective, and not everyone's perspective is the same, and that's one thing that like, I feel helped me when it transferring it to the field was that your everyone's journey everyone's perspective is not going to be the same um you're going to have you know guys are going to have their ups and downs and other guys are going to go through this other guys are going to go through that um so one thing that helped me with the philosophy aspect is that just just learning that you know there's so much to reality and and so much more that you can take from it and you know just just applying it to myself and just realizing that everyone's different you know, and, and that everyone has a different journey. And no matter what that is, um, it, that doesn't affect your, your outcome. What kind of mental strength does it take to start a game when you've only pitched two innings in two years, and then not only start the game, throw four shutout, strike out six batters, and then you walk off the game to send your team <laughs> to the super regionals. What does that take? Oh, I'll be honest. I, I have no idea. <laughs> it was, uh, I look back on it and it was really just all, um, like a, like a blackout almost, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I think, so that game that we were, the, that game that I pitched in was originally, um, postponed because of the rain. So I had that whole day to just really think about it and talking about it with my, with my teammates. Um, they like what, what I was doing when we were waiting on that rain delay was, sitting in a corner of South Carolina's weight room with my headphones on, listening to music with my eyes closed for about four hours. And um, just because I, I didn't want my, I, I had a focus from when I woke up um, from that night before, and it was just like to get the job done. Uh, you know, I, even though I haven't done it in so long, it doesn't mean that I, I, I have to use, that's not an excuse. You know, I know I have the capability to do it. Um, and I know my team was depending on me, you know, that we had a short in bullpen. Um, I think we only had two or three guys in relief and some of those guys were on a day or two of rest. So like you said, the, the mental aspect of it was just ma mainly just leaning on my teammates and, and knowing that I had to do it for them. How do you take that moment? It's a wonderful moment. Obviously your team ended up going to Omaha and you had that experience, but how do you take that moment now and 
channel it into this season in hopes of achieving. I mean, you obviously you're getting your master's, which I think Darren and I are jaw dropped. That's incredible um, to pursue that, but you're also hoping to be a professional baseball player. So how do you channel that moment to this season? Um, I think it's just, just knowing what it takes to get to that point um, as a, from a leadership perspective um, there, we have um, half of our team are freshmen and transfers guys who, um, you know, never made a regional. And that was my first regional last year, first regional, first super regional, first time ever going to Omaha for everyone on the team. Um, so that, so just having that, that leadership mentality um, and just to show the younger guys um, what it takes to get there. And it's not just, specifically, you know, staying after and hitting in the cage for, you know, an hour or two, you know, um, or doing extra work on your own or all that stuff. It's, it's like the, the very little details of um, what do you have to do to, to hold each other accountable and, and help each other out as a team. Devin, I'd like for you, for those that are listening to the podcast, with your words to introduce us to Riley Cameron, uh, your niece, her courage, her impact, um, you know, I'll let you tell the parts of the story. I think it's better told by you, but how she's changed your life forever. Yeah. So, uh, little miss Riley, uh, I think, yeah, so she's four years old now. Um, but when I was a senior in high school, my sister sat, um, me down and my brother-in-law and he already knew about it, but basically they sat me down cause they wanted to break the news to me that Riley was diagnosed with spina bifida and hydrocephalus. And um, immediately the doctor's suggestions were to terminate her um, do because, because um, you know, the just it was just basically they told her that she, that Riley will come out brain dead, um, brain dead, not be able to walk or um, not live past the two years old. So um, it was really tough for my family to hear that because we were, when we found out my sister was pregnant, we were really excited that to have a new member of the family and all that. Um, but my sister's immediate response to the doctors was absolutely not. Um, no matter what happens to Riley or no matter what way she comes out when she's born, uh, my sister will do everything she can uh, to provide for her and, and have faith in God. That was, the, that was my sister's um, main thing when it came to her pregnancy was um, just having faith in God. We had, we had a couple prayer, um, prayer calls over the phone uh, with family, friends that, you know, cause guys, people are all over the place. So we would do it once or twice a week and just have, you know, 30 minutes to just sit down and pray for Riley. And, you know, fast forward, she's born and she immediately went into surgery. She had two or three, sur uh, two or three surgeries before like th three months. So <laughs> she had one on her ankle, one in her brain on her back and I probably like one or two more, but um, she's been an incredible inspiration to our family um, because she's walking, she's extremely smart. She can talk um, as she's, I think she's in sec uh, kindergarten now and she has, she talks like a second grader, you know, she talks back to my, my, uh, my mom, I mean, my sister, as if she's, you know, one of her good friends, you know, so it's, it's awesome just seeing that she's overcoming these things that the doctor said that she wouldn't overcome at all. Um, so everyone looks, everyone that knows Riley looks to her as, uh, as an inspiration to, you know, the problems that you're going through, they can be a lot worse. And 
what's great is Riley is so young and she was born like this. So her happiness is not affected by her disability because that's well, who she is. And she's very proud of that. And um, man, once she was, a, once she was able to walk, uh, it was insane because she was on crutches, she was on a wheelchair. And then one day she just goes, mommy, look. And we turn around and she's like walking and we're like, oh my God, this, that is incredible and amazing. And she just continues every day to um, just conquer everything that's, that's thrown in her way. And, and my sister calls her um, a warrior and, and that's exactly what she is. Your sister, Crystal, your uh, brother-in-law, Brian, um, and their miracle, Riley. That was New Year's Eve when that stuff happened, right? About the walking? Yeah. Yep, New Year's Eve. Oh, no, I'm sorry, New Year's Day. New Year's Day. New Year's Day. New Year's yeah. Day. New Year's yep. Day. And now, she, wanna... now she's using, now she's walking all the time. Doesn't need crutches, doesn't need assistance. Um, just normal, normal, which is incredible because the, the percentage of just what she has and you just look at a lot of people in the country who have the same thing that it, people don't ever walk and they have the same condition. She has stage four, uh, stage four, which is like the highest form of the spina, of spina bifida. So the fact that she's able to walk and, and she's so smart is just great. She watched you walk it off too on TV, right? Yeah, she did. She, <laughs> she doesn't really know. Obviously she doesn't really know what baseball is, but she sees, she sees Nino. She calls me Nino, which just means like godfather or uncle. Yeah. Um, and she sees me on TV and, and she knows, she knows where I'm at. She knows I'm in Virginia. She always, every time I FaceTime her, she's like, where are you? You know, I go in Virginia. I'm at school. Oh yeah. When are you coming home? All that stuff. So nice. I yeah. share that with her. I don't, I still don't know what baseball is. So I'm right there with her. I'm right there with <laughs> yeah. her. Hey, thanks for sharing that story. I really appreciate that. For sure. For sure. Devin, I think my last one for you is I saw you were the people's choice um, for your collegiate team this summer uh, in the Florida Gulf Coast. Is that right? Did I see that right? Um, that was, was that this past summer? No, I was, uh, yeah, two summers ago. Two summers ago. So people's choice, but that means that, that your teammates chose that for you? Um, I think it was. The, I was all wrong. I think it, <laughs> I'll be honest. I wasn't too sure. I was presented with the. <laughs> I was presented with the with the award, and I was like, "Oh, this is a great honor. Thank you guys very much." Um, but I'm pretty sure that it was uh, a combination of players and coaches out of the whole entire league. Okay. All right. Well, I'm gonna switch gears. I'm gonna I'm gonna veer away from that for a second. What are your What are your hopes and dreams for this season? What do you What do you want people to learn about you? Um. So my hopes and dreams right now is to um, be the best leader I possibly can. Um, that's one thing that, um, grow, like being on teams that don't have leaders and guys who look guys who look up to you, um, I find that a lot of times it's very difficult for teams to succeed. So. Um, just having that, like I said, we, because we have so many younger guys on our team, I think it's important that, um, that I want to show guys, you know, the right way and, and going about our program and going about our day when, when we're at the field and, and off the field as well. So whether that's, you know, giving advice to guys of school, um, helping them out because I wasn't the great, I, I'm not the greatest student, but I'm, I, I would say I'm, 
I'm a hard worker when it comes to getting the assignments done and, and really, really trying, you know, like it, it's, you look at a lot of people and they're like, yeah, I can just, you know, like get by and still get amazing grades. I can't do that. I have to really sit down and, and buckle down and give hours on days to, to finish assignments. So when guys, you know, ask me, um, you know, about assignments and essays, if they need help for it, I, I definitely offer that to them and, and obviously help on the field as well. Amazing, pal. Did you notice the dog that stepped into Danny's <laughs> shot? Like we, so, so unbelievable. I mean, you could probably with your deep education and the psychology of it all, what does that mean when a dog jumps into a podcast? But we won't put you to work on that, man. He wants thank, to on us. Yeah, he definitely was spying on us. Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate you, you hanging out Kevin. with us. Yeah, this is awesome. Good luck this season. Have fun. And, and those guys are lucky to have you. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me. Scout's Eyes Notebook being opened up by Jeremy Brown. No one has more of the tea, as my kids like to call it, the tea, the, the insider stuff, the rumors, than, than Jeremy Brown. And he gets it right from the horse's mouth on college commitments. They want to commit through him. They want to let the world know through him. That's who he is. I mean, the national cross-checker Jeremy Brown opens up his notebook and talks about athletes that have signed. And he also makes it clear that if you haven't committed, you're just fine. You are just fine. There's no denying that right now is a busy time in the college recruiting cycle, whether it be prospects getting onto campus for a camp or college football game or just taking their official visits. We've seen an uptick in commitments over the last couple months, whether it be the 2022 class with Paxton Kling committing to LSU, Cutter Coffee to Texas, Braden Reisdorf to Indiana, all the way down to the 2025 class as we just saw Boston Calendar commit to the University of Louisville, a Colorado right-hander and two-time Select Festival alum, or Duke, who just pulled in a pair of 2025 commitments with Ethan Britton and Zion Theophilus. Um, these, the recruiting process has definitely expedited over the years, but it's also important for us to take a minute and just reiterate that the recruiting process is different for every single player. There is no checklist of this needs to be done by a certain time. You need to be committed by your, your junior year. Players are still taking their time. Tamar Johnson, one of the top 2022s, still hasn't committed. He's really enjoyed the process. He's taken his official visits. He's seeing what these schools have to offer, seeing what the college uh, coaching staff is like. And that's not to detract from the players who are committing early, that they found the right fit. They found the college staff that they're comfortable with, the co campus they can envision themselves being in. But with this type of platform we want to just take a minute and reiterate that every player has their own journey their own path to finding where they're going to play at the next level there is no right or wrong time it's all about comfort about feel where do you see yourself playing in four years three years and enjoy the process that's probably the biggest takeaway from everything it's a fun time you're going to get to meet a lot of people a lot of coaches a lot of teammates future teammates on the road on campuses, on during camps, and just, again, enjoy it. Don't feel the pressure. Don't feel like you're under a microscope. Just play baseball, have fun, and everything will work out for you in the end. You're going to find the right home. You're going to find what's right, and you're going to thrive at the next level once you find your the right campus for you. Every Tuesday night, Perfect Game opens up the conversation around college baseball, and it's on ESPNU on Sirius XM Radio. 
It's Perfect Game College Baseball. It's 10 o'clock Eastern. It's the only global radio show devoted to the game. And it's year-round. I mean, that's what's great. 52 weeks a year, Hunter Pence and I are talking college baseball. We just celebrated the career of Buster Posey as he announced his retirement. Hunter, just a couple of steps ahead of him, but Hunter's already started this amazing career. Gino Damari was a guest on this show. Here are some of the great pieces of the conversation. Perfect Game College Baseball. Gino, coach of Miami, and Hunter Pence. Yeah, that's extremely exciting stuff, Gino, uh, getting back a little bit more normalcy, and, and it definitely was tough times. And that leads me into like something that I was like questioning. Um, you've watched college baseball for a long time, and, and with all of the COVID stuff that's happened, um, you know, freshmen coming in, like we saw a crazy good class of freshmen. You have a very young and experienced team, but this new set of freshmen coming in because we don't know what they went through in high school. What's the talent level? Did they get better, worse because of this? Like, what have you seen from, you know, the younger players due to like a lot of the circumstances our country's faced? Yeah. Well, I'll go back the year before and then I'll say this year, the year before when you had five rounds with the COVID hit and you had the five rounds, uh, you had to figure there's a lot of good players showing up on campus. We ended up having the, in some of the polls, number one recruiting class in the country with that class. And, um, and then this year, um, you know, it's, it's down to 20 rounds. Um, and so I, I feel like there's more and more players, talented players showing up on campus. I think the value of an education in part with maybe more importantly, the kids all want to play pro ball. And they want to play at the highest level. They're seeing that the percentages is going through colleges might be the better route. You got a better chance of making it to the big leagues. You got a better chance of maybe making more money in the big leagues. Again, if you want to follow stats, our sport is a big statistical stat. Look at them. They all favor college baseball. And by the way, you come to school and you get your education. And maybe it's three years, okay? But you go off and play pro ball. You're only two semesters away from graduating. To me, it's a win-win. You spend less time in the minor leagues. I just think personally, you're seeing kids getting educated more and more about the path going through college and um, and therefore you're seeing a lot more talented players in college. There's no doubt in my mind, college baseball is as talented as it's ever been, ever been. And, um, and so that's great for our sport. It's very, very competitive, um, but um, you know, very, very exciting as well. And uh, of course, a big part of it, our job is making sure we're developing. It's a short period, three years goes by very, very quickly. And you got to make sure you're doing everything you can to develop these guys. But we do feel like, especially at the level that we're at in a lot of the programs, that we have everything in place here to support these guys, to help them develop, to make that jump to the next level. And really kind of surpass, you know, rookie ball and low A and kind of the good ones. And we're talking about the talented ones, obviously, the ones that are going to go good. And, and, and again, a lot of them are showing up on campus that kind of go through the minor leagues a little bit quicker. They're able to jump right into maybe high A and be able to compete. And as you see, some guys don't waste time even there in their first year. They kind of move right through that and move up the ladder pretty quickly. Yeah, Gino, I can't agree more. I definitely think that the college route served me tons of benefit, helped me grow up, learn, learn a lot of life lessons. But also just the, it, it's a great ground to learn the sport uh, to, you know, College coaches like yourself are some of the greatest leaders in our country and do such a wonderful job. You do only have three years and you're shaping these, these kids from kids to men. And uh, yeah, I can't agree more. And the talent is extremely exciting. Uh, the college baseball talent 
speaking of the young talent and great freshmen, like I said, you have a really unique roster where it's like a lot of young players that have some experience. Um, you have Carson Palmquist, obviously, who had, you know, freshman of the year, All-American honors. Um, I believe it was also Yandi Morales did some really good stuff. So talk to me a little bit about in the fall, how are these young players looking and how are some of the new young players looking as well? Well, you know, uh, those guys are, of course, returning guys. So Carson's a third-year sophomore with the COVID. He got the extra year, whereas Yo-Yo's a true sophomore. Um, he came in after that, so those guys didn't get the extra year. Yo-Yo is Yohani Morales. We mm -hmm. call him Yo-Yo. Yo-Yo has actually stood out more than anybody. He's made some big strides. He did not have a good summer. He went to the Cape and did not have a good summer. And uh, there's some, there was some slight adjustments he needed making in his approach. And um, not to get too technical on your show here, but we, we were able to make some adjustments with him. He was able to make, he's got to make them. We were able to show him some of the things he needed to do. You, you know, as a hitter, it's not always easy to make those adjustments. Though these guys have been hitting a certain way for so long, but the really good ones, the really talented ones, the athletic ones, those guys seem to be able to make those adjustments and make them pretty quick. And he did because he is that talented and he is athletic and, He's been hitting the he's been hitting the ball extremely well to all fields. I'll just give you an example. He had the other day he hit two home runs, one opposite field, which our ball does not carry well to right field, and then he pulled one left field. And he's hitting the ball all over the place. He's hitting just under 500, albeit it's about 30 35 at bats. But he's he's hitting the wow. ball. He's giving great at bats. But he's made a huge strides in his adjustments, which has been great. Um, you mentioned Carson. Carson is getting an opportunity to start. He was our All American closer for us. Uh, we're giving him an opportunity to start um, and see how that goes. Um, but um, he, he is, he's pitched well this fall. Um, another guy to me that stood out as a second-year guy is Carlos Perez. Didn't play much last year because of Del Castillo, the catcher. But Carlos is a, it was really a defensive, known as a defensive guy, and he's probably swung the bat as well as anybody other than Yo-Yo this fall. And, uh, and, of course, he catches and throws well. So, you know, those guys have stood out just thinking of those more veteran i say veteran you're right they're young two three-year guys but um of the incoming guys uh you know i've been happy uh on the offensive side lorenzo carrier we call him zo he's our top probably incoming recruit as far as a hitter he's ex he's like a, somebody called him one of the uh scouts came in the other day and he's wearing number 99 so they called him like a mini aaron judge but he does look a little bit like him of course if he played like him that'd be great He's got some, he's got some tools. He, he, the ball, you know, how you say with a wood bat and there's a different sound. There's a different sound with the aluminum bat too. When a guy hits it a certain way and he happened, we got some guys with some juice. Uh, he's, he's, he's got a different sound with the bat and uh, he's probably put on 25 pounds since he's been here. And that's going back to five weeks of summer school. Cause we bring kids in now early for summer B so they can take classes, get six credits out of the way towards their degree, get a head start, but really get acclimated to school and everything before the mad rush of the fall comes in. And they lift. They're lifting every day or four times a week. And so he's a big frame guy, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, and I think he came in right around for a little less than 200, and he's already up to 220, 225. And it looks like he can still put a lot of weight on. He's, you know, he's got that body. So I've uh, been very excited with him. And pitch inside, probably uh, Carson Ligon, uh, from the uh, Sarasota Bradenton area has really stood out. He's done well. Uh, Gage Zeal's our top, top guy coming in. I think Gage is one of the top drafted guys that showed up on campus, um, and he's been he's been good. Love Gage's makeup and character, but Ligon's really probably pitched 
as well as any of the young guys so far in the inner squads. So I think what I try to do in this podcast, and it, it may grate some people the wrong way, they'll be okay, and maybe I'm messing it up, is I really don't, and that's why I think we're a good pair in this. You, you want to know more about the team. You want to know more about the experience, the setting, the college baseball. And I, I don't in this podcast. And so I think it's a wonderful back and forth that we have. Um, but I have, I have loved learning about these individuals and, and, and maybe even forcing them at times a little bit out of their daily get up, you know, eat the breakfast, go do your studies, go to practice, all that stuff. I love kind of nudging them out of that at times. And, and I think we learn that these, these men, and if we grow this show into softball, which we probably will, these women, um, this is why when you listen to guys like Devin Ortiz and Cameron James, that if they don't play one inning of professional baseball, they'll be just fine as professionals. They're already on their professional journey. Whatever that profession is, you can sense that they're professionals in making no matter what they do. Sometimes I think we take for granted that these guys are willing to share almost everything with us. And you do a great job of, yes, I'm going to give you a compliment. You do a great job of asking them about the people in their life and their circle and those, you know, their parents and their siblings and the people who are their day ones, because oftentimes I'm sure when they're doing an interview with somebody or they're doing their preseason media tours that no one's asking them about their family. They're asking them, well, what was the championship like? Which, you know, which is what I did. Cause I, I find that so interesting and you know, they've never won one, but I think that the balance is really nice, but I think these guys appreciate being recognized as people, not just ball players. And I think that's something that probably needs to happen at, at every level a little bit more is that these guys aren't just, you know, people who put on a uniform and go out to the field. They have lives, they have feelings, they have people around them who are going through things. And, you know, it's nice to know the person who is wearing that uniform more importantly than anything, because baseball ends. You don't know how long you're going to play. You don't know if you're going to make it. And you got to be a good person and you have to, you have to contribute to society in a positive way. And all these guys do, it's really cool to see. It is. And, and I think the one thing I want to evolve even more in, in this is to do a little bit. I mean, I, at, at the PAC 12 basketball meetings a couple of years ago is one of the play-by-play -play voices, you know, we had someone come in and speak with us, you know, on title nine representation, but also an athlete representation from Berkeley. And they're always forward thinking in that area, you know, with all due respect to everybody else, they just are. And, and yeah. they, they get it right a lot. And so, you know, they made it clear, like, talk about the parents, but also talk about them and their journeys, like what's next for them. I think what's challenging, I think what's challenging about, let's say, a college baseball player in comparison to a female soccer player, you know, that's the best I know, a college soccer player who, who plays it, you know, who plays at Arizona State is it's hard to get these guys to think about anything but baseball for their next steps. Um, we, yeah. at time, we at times can find young men who have other interests, but it's hard. Like you can get a talented female soccer player to talk about, you know, writing the next great novel or, or being, you know, an attorney general real quickly um, or being a nurse or a doctor or a professor real quickly. It's a little bit harder with these guys. And so I do like, I do want to push them a little more in these coming podcasts on um, the baseball's gone, dude, out. I, I, maybe I'll great people even more because like, I don't want to talk like, what, what, who are you? What are you? So I'm curious to do that even more. I love talking about the family. I want to know who they are too, because, you know, once baseball was taken away from me as a player, I couldn't wait to get back to baseball. So I had to find my own way 
Um, and I knew it was this, it was communications, but I, this is a fun thing to do. I'll take that compliment because you give out so few. Um, you know, you're, you're really hard on me as a producer, so I'll take that compliment. And, and at this point, I, I'm shocked that you're still listening. I, I really am. I'm shocked that you folks out there are still listening to this because this is officially like the, the deepest level of rambling. As long as, as Danny said early on, you're buckled up. Buckle up. You also gave the tea. You you told us that there was tea to be spilled and Jeremy Brown spilled that tea. He's so good at what he does. So I'm glad that, you know, know what we... that means. I hope it's not offensive to anyone. That's all. Not at all. Not at all. Jeremy Brown, man, he's so Never good know. at what he does. He... <laughs> Never know. It's all good. It is all good. What a great episode. Crushed it. This was, Crushed this it. was, this was, this is an award-winning episode. We look forward to having you guys. We'll Thank let you, you know what award it wins. We'll let you know what award it wins. Yeah, something, something, maybe it'll give me a bonus or something like that. But thank you for listening this far. Please like, subscribe, rate, comment, share, review, whatever you'd like to do. All the action verbs, please do those things to our podcast so that more people can find it. Thank you. Thank you.